Do you desire to please God with your life? Do you also struggle with sinful thoughts and habits? In Galatians 5.17, Paul reminds us that the flesh is in conflict with the spirit, and the spirit is in conflict with the flesh. They're opposed to each other, making it difficult to do what is right. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about how the things he wants to do, he doesn't. The things he doesn't want to do, that's what he keeps on doing. Can you relate? Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode 165. In this week's episode, we continue our mini-series on glorifying God as we discover how our thinking impacts our doing. This week's episode is simply entitled, You Don't Have to Sin. Now, this week's episode is a continuation of last week's, which was entitled, Why, Oh, Why Do I Sin? I say that because if you've not yet listened to last week's episode, I'd like to encourage you to stop this one, go to episode 164, last week's episode, listen to that first, and then come back to this one. Now, I'm telling you that simply because I believe and I suggest that it would help you give you context for this week's episode if you remember or if you're familiar with what we talked about last week. Hopefully that didn't confuse you. You see in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, the Apostle John writes, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, I want to repeat that verse, so I want you to listen closely to 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, to be quite honest with you, for a while, that verse created quite the conflict in my own thinking. For over 30 years of my life, I battled with what Hebrews 12 verse 1 calls that sin that so easily entangles. It was a sinful habit that I chose to allow to have control over me. It was a sin that nearly destroyed me as well as my family. On more more than one occasion, I had some well-meaning, godly Christian men come up to me, wrap their arm around my shoulder, and use 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 to try to convince me that since I was continuing to live in this particular sinful habit, since it was an ongoing issue for me, I must not be saved. After all, they'd argue, this verse says that no one who is born of God will continue to sin, will not habitually sin. Now, on the surface, it certainly would appear that God is saying that if you make it a practice to habitually sin in that whatever sin issue you're struggling with, then you're probably not a Christian. However, I want to submit that's not the message that God's presenting here. As we look at this verse carefully in this episode, there are a few things that are going to be important to note. And the best way to make sense of all of this is to take this verse, this text, and break it down into smaller bite-sized pieces. Closely examine those smaller parts, and then assemble them back together again to look at the verse as a whole. In other words, we need to meditate on God's Word. Okay, so here's the verse in its entirety once again. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. 
Okay, so let's begin our deep dive here. The first thing I want us to note is the phrase, is born of God. In other words, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. The reason I want to look at that phrase is simply because of this. The phrase, is born of God, is written in what's called the perfect tense. What that simply means is this, having been completed in the past, being born of God never needs to be repeated again, ever again. (laughs) What an amazing, awesome statement of eternal security. By using the perfect tense here, John is saying that if you are born again, if you are born of God, you are saved now, you're saved now, you're saved now, you're saved now and forevermore. Doesn't matter what sins you've committed in the past or ever will commit in the future, Christ died on the cross for all of them. You see, as 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Jesus personally carried all our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Listen, not a single sin has ever taken or ever will take God by surprise, leading him to say, oh, well, uh, uh, I, I didn't know you were going to do that. I'm sorry. Your salvation warranty is now being voided. Oh, praise the Lord for our salvation, and praise God that that salvation is entirely dependent upon an omniscient, all-knowing, and sovereign God, not based upon our own efforts. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his marvelous, unending mercy that he saved us, Titus 3, 5. God himself has saved us, and he has called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. I think we should also note that the phrase, is born of God, is written in the passive voice. It's it's written in the perfect tense, passive voice. The passive voice simply means that the that which is being done is being done to you or for you. It's not being done by you. Another way to put it is this. You're the recipient, not the originator. Simply put, you can't save yourself. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, It's by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So when John writes that the Christian is born of God, he is establishing the fact that this new birth, John chapter 3, verse 3, happens once and for all. It is fully accomplished, completely done by the powerful will of the Almighty God. As we look again at 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, I want you to notice that John says, no one will continue to sin. Now, here's where a lot of us stumble into murky waters and get very quickly and very easily confused. Let me read to you this verse as it's rendered in the King James Version. This might help. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. The reason I wanted to go into the King James Version is because the use of the word not is very important. In this verse, 
it says, doth not commit sin. This word not is a term in biblical Greek that expresses what we would call a full and direct negation. In other words, absolutely not ever. It is a complete impossibility. John is declaring that whoever is born of God does not ever commit sin. Now, don't stop the podcast yet and brand me a heretic. Stay with me on this, and it will become clear for you in a few moments, I promise you. You see, John writes this in what's called the indicative mood. and That means it's a simple statement of fact, period. The fact is That which is born of God will not ever sin. There's nothing here to indicate habitual sinning. Nothing to lead us to believe that as long as you're not repeatedly sinning, then you're spiritually safe. That which is born of God never sins ever. Now again, don't don't brand me a heretic and shut this podcast down in disgust. I want you to give me the opportunity to explain what I mean. Have you chosen to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you a a born-again believer? God says you are if you've put your trust in Him. That old sinful nature was crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. A new holy nature has been put by God Himself in its place, Ephesians 2.24. Now, I've got a question for you. I want you to think about this. Have you ever committed the same sin more than once since becoming a Christian? I'm going to assume your answer is yes. Let me ask you this. Have you committed the same sin more than a few times since becoming a Christian? Again, I'm going to assume that your answer is yes. Keep in mind the words of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20 that says, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. So, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves, and we're not living in the truth, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. As we compare Scripture with Scripture, we must conclude that 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 is not saying that if you commit the same sin multiple times, then you're probably not a Christian. What, then, is this text actually saying? Well, to help answer this question, we need to identify exactly what it is that is born of God. Our key to understanding this is actually found in the second half of 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. See, in this text, John goes on to explain how that that which is born of God does not sin. It's because God's seed remains in the Christian, and he, that is, the seed, cannot sin because the seed has been born of God. All right, now to help you understand, it's important that we focus our attention for just a few moments on the word seed as it's used in 1 John 3, verse 9. In the Greek, it's the word sperma and refers to an offspring, that which was created by God. Okay, so so here's a very important question for you. What did God create that is now within you as a born-again believer? The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone the new has come. All right, the new what has come? The answer, the new nature. 
the new nature that every born-again believer, every Christian received, the moment of salvation, that is what has come. That is what has been placed within you. Again, I refer to Galatians 2.20 when Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That seed that John refers to in 1 John 3, 9 is the new nature, the holy nature that God created to be just like him in pure holiness and righteousness, and he placed that new nature, that seed within you. And that seed remains, it continues to live within you for the rest of your life until you're called home to heaven to be with God for eternity. All right, now, I want us to notice what John says about that new nature that God created within you. He states that the one born of God will not commit sin because, because God's seed, because the new nature remains within. I want to emphasize the word because, and here's why. It points to something that rests upon a solid fact. John is declaring this is a fact, a divinely inspired biblical truth, that the reason that which is born of God will not ever sin is because that which God placed within you at the moment of salvation is what the scriptures call God's seed. It's his perfect, holy, righteous creation. That which is dwelling within every born-again believer cannot sin because it's God's seed. John goes on to say in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, that God's seed cannot go on sinning. Let's park for just a moment on the, on the word cannot. The word cannot is the Greek word dunamai. It refers to an absence of power or ability. Here's my point. Don't, don't get lost in the, technic, tech, tech, in, in, in the deep parts of the water. <laughs> that which is born of God, that new nature within you does not have the power, it does not have the ability, it does not have the capability of accomplishing the task of sinning. It can't because it's righteous, because it's holy, because it's created to be like God. So if you're a Christian, God says you have a new nature. Ephesians 4.24, that nature is created to be like God. It is righteous. It is holy. It is a holy nature incapable of sinning because it does not have the power. It does not have the ability to do so. Now, this is a crucial point we must not ignore because it plays a very important role in the rest of this episode. So let me reiterate that the moment you were saved, your old sinful nature was crucified. It was put to death. And, and for more on that, let's re-listen to last week's episode. In its place, God put a new nature, one that is holy, one that is incapable of sinning. That new holy nature is living within you. It is your true identity. It's what makes you technon theos, son of God. Romans 6 verse 6 says, We know that the old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. According to this text, you are no longer a slave to the sinful habits, because sin no longer has power, it no longer has dominion over you, Romans 6 14. 
In Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, I want you to focus your attention on the words in Colossians 3, verse 3, that says, For you died. This is a phrase that refers to that which is consummated and finished. In other words, that old nature is totally and completely dead. At the moment of salvation, that old sinful nature was crucified, it was put to death, and you are now alive in Christ. And because of that life in Christ, because of God's seed remaining within you, you don't have to sin. You sin because you choose to. You sin because you choose to worship King Me instead of God. You now have that choice because sin no longer has dominion over you, Colossians 1.13. Now, let's put the jelly on the bottom shelf, if you will. Let's, let's, let's make this practical. As you're listening to all of this, you may be thinking, okay, Steve, I, I, I'm beginning to understand that I have a new nature, and I, and I get what you're telling me, that the new nature is holy, and it's incapable of sinning, and, and wow, that sounds great. But to be quite honest, I still feel the ugh in struggle with sin. Every day I'm struggling with sin. Hey, my friend, I'm right there with you. I struggle with the same thing. And I agree wholeheartedly because I too battle against the temptation to sin almost daily. In fact, I believe that's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, when he complains that the things he wants to do, he wants to glorify God, wants to live for God. Those are the things he doesn't do. The things he doesn't want to do, he doesn't want to sin, he doesn't want to transgress God's law, he doesn't want to be disobedient, he doesn't want King Me to reign on the throne of his heart. That's what he keeps on doing. Our struggle is not because we still have the old sinful nature plaguing us, dogging every step of our spiritual walk. That sin nature is dead. It's forever gone. So I want you to consider the I that is struggling with sin. That I that Paul keeps referring to is the new nature. The entire reason, watch this now, the entire reason you battle daily with temptation is because you have a new nature, a holy nature within you that is constantly at odds with the sinful desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.17, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Galatians 5.17, this is why we still struggle with sin. Only the new nature is going to find sin appalling. All right, let me repeat that. Think about this. It's only the new nature that's going to find sin appalling. Only the new nature is going to see sin as an enemy that must be defeated. It's only in the life of the born-again believer that the new nature will fight against the flesh because it's only within the believer, the the, the born-again Christian, that the new nature Uh, has the Holy Spirit dwelling within it. The flesh is daily setting itself against the, the godly, holy, righteous work that God is doing in your life through the work of the Holy Spirit as he dwells within that new nature. Now, an unsaved person may regret a sinful thing that they have done, and they may experience guilt and the consequences of their sinful choices, but they're not experiencing spiritual warfare. 
The Christian, however, does. Until the day comes when you are called home to heaven to live for eternity with God or the rapture occurs, you will exist here on earth as a redeemed, born-again child of God living in an unredeemed body. It's a combination that is consistently and constantly ripe for conflict. Living a life that glorifies God. It's not simply a matter of passive surrender. It's not let go and let God. It's a life filled with spiritual conflict and warfare, Galatians 5.17. That's why Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. There is coming a time when Jesus Christ shall transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body, Philippians 3.21. But until that day, my dear friend, if you're a born-again believer, you and I are going to struggle with the temptation to sin. We don't have to sin, but we're guaranteed that we're going to struggle with it. Okay, we're, we're going to have to hit the pause button until next week's episode. We're going to continue next week in this mini-series on glorifying God. Next week's episode, we're going to take a closer look at understanding the heart of our temptations. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about today's study, or if you're interested in learning more about the Pure Man Ministry, what we do to help men literally across the globe find freedom and victory over their addiction to sexual sin, then I encourage you to visit our website and see the multitude of resources that we've made available. Our website is located at The Purity Coach. It's all one word, The Purity, P U R I T Y Coach.com. And one of the resources that over the last couple of episodes and this episode as well, I want to highlight for you is my newest book, my latest book. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. The book is entitled Purely Satisfied Discover How to Live in Genuine Purity. It's available right now on Amazon. I have a question for you. Have you ever found yourself sexually thirsty, feeling like you're going to shrivel up and die if your sexual needs aren't being met? What do you do? Where do you go to find satisfaction? I think all too often we turn to King Me for the solution. And I want you to understand this. Yes, there is a thirst there. But you're not thirsting for sexual fulfillment. That's not what the issue is. You're not thirsting for physical satisfaction. You're not thirsting for that chemical pop or the rush that giving into the, the, the addiction and releasing those sexual hor hormones will provide you. That's the enemy misdirecting you. That's Satan trying to get your focus off of what the real thirst is for. Your thirst is for something different. It's for something deeper. Here's, here's what I mean. Your soul is searching for something that only God can give. That's why lust and porn and masturbation will always fail to genuinely satisfy. It's why you keep going back for more and more and more, never having that thirst thoroughly quenched. Well, in my newest book, Purely Satisfied, Discover How to Live in Genuine Purity, makes it clear that we need to catch God's vision, God's plan for our life. And the only way that's going to happen is when we daily choose to dethrone King me and allow God to be Lord and leader in every aspect of our life. We need to daily develop an intimate relationship with Jesus. 
this book, Purely Satisfied, Discover How to Live in Genuine Purity, will help you not only discover how to be pure, but how to stay pure. So let me strongly encourage you to go directly to Amazon.com, purchase your copy of Purely Satisfied, Discover How to Live in Genuine Purity today. And if you've not yet subscribed to this Point of Purity podcast, oh, my friends, let me encourage you to do so today. I don't want you to miss any of our upcoming episodes. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach Steve Etner for the Pure Man Ministry reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. Thinking.